you, you know this, right? I want you to listen. Of course I do. I'm in radio. Today's guest has worked for iHeartMedia, Cumulus, Town Square. He's been on TV in Chicago and radio in Chicago. And he's worked for independents too. So not just big corporate radio companies. He's worked for a variety of folks. What can we learn from this kind of person? I'll tell you what, you come closer. We're going to find out together in just a few minutes. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Of course, what you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Fordham with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We provide affordable help for local broadcasters looking to make more money. Anybody interested in that? We are a branding company, branding specialists who help our clients fully develop the exact right position for their local radio brands in their local radio market. We coach local morning shows and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce daily music logs if you need that. We also can provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that really move the revenue needle and a lot more. We're also confidential and market exclusive for radio. Do you have a problem that's getting in the way of your local revenue? Reach out anytime. We can help you. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. How can we help you. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. What is about to happen on this event, this podcast episode? What are you going to hear? Well, get ready, load up, because we're going to be visiting with the one and only Sean Knight, co-host of the Magic Morning Show with Knight and Norwood on Magic 107.7 in Topeka. But before we get started, I do want to alert you to what's happening next week right here on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. We will be talking next week about this time with the vice president of member experience of the National Association of Broadcasters. What you don't know him by name, Bradford Caldwell will be with us. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about the NAB. We're going to talk about their big events. We're going to talk about what they're doing, about how they help broadcasters. And I think you're going to enjoy that. You can, by the way, see our full guest calendar all the way through, I gosh, I think we're starting October. So we schedule these things in advance, right? And of course, we drop this on the free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. So you can check in, see what guests are coming up. Uh, if you subscribe to our podcast, you're just going to get them all anyway. We don't lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do. We know we're a little different. We're okay with that. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. We're really here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Today's guest, man, let me tell you about this guy. He's at home building great content relating to listeners. And yet he is a self-explained introvert 
with extrovert tendencies. He's half of the morning show called The Magic Morning Show with Knight and Norwood. We are talking about Sean Knight. He's our guest right now on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Sean, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I am fine. First of all, how much do I owe you for that introduction? Oh, no. Introductions are free. That's how you get in trouble on this show. (laughs) Go right in. So so look, let's start this off correctly. I want to be careful because we love our guest. Okay, we're passionate about the radio business and about what local radio is and does and what makes us special. And we all know that. The thing that makes us special is the local personalities. What does this mean? An introvert with extrovert tendencies. What does that mean? I knew you was going to go there with that. Well, I am an introvert, meaning that I like to stay in isolation every now and again. When I come home from work, my home is my sanctuary. I usually will be reading a book. I will probably be working on some content or watching a movie. I like the peace and quiet of uh, of being at home. I was social distancing before social distancing became a thing with the pandemic. However, extrovert meaning I love to go outside as well. So I do love to go out and get fresh air and and hang out with friends and go to all the local events and and functions and be social. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So listen, I have to confess that I am the I'm the worst. I am an extrovert's extrovert. So <laughs> I, about about 15 years ago, 15 and a half years ago, I married a woman that I love and I try to love unconditionally. And I found out for real that she is an introvert. And so I started studying this. And, you know, for us extroverts, we're idiots. We, we know nothing about this. So I know that if you identify somebody as an introvert, you want to be really kind of careful on your way in and go, hey, I'm respecting your space, right? Right, exactly, exactly. But I do love the fact of letting someone know I'm here, even though I'm not there, like I'm here. You you, you understand what I'm saying? You're present. Right, exactly. So I'm not that closed off where... I'm not attentive to whatever it is that you may need at the time. All right. You know, I said we're going to respect your space, right? So so here's here's how we're going to do that. You're from Chicago. What does that mean? You're from Chicago. Chicago, blue collar town. Chicago means the Bears. Okay. (laughs) Chicago means White Sox. It means the Cubs. It means the Bulls. Michael Jordan, 23. The Sears Tower. We still call it the Sears Tower, even though it's called Willis Tower. We still say um, Comiskey Park, even though it is guaranteed rate field, even though it was called U.S. Cellular Field. We still will recognize those areas and those landmarks like it was when we first started. It's Mayor Daley. It's Harold Washington. It's former President Obama. It's summertime. When you think of Chicago and summertime, it goes hand in hand. Um, it is a blue collar town, uh, very friendly. And, and you know, we, we're very friendly, but we don't play. <laughs> well, <laughs> and look, Chicago's really fun. It's a really engaging town with a lot of yes. great food. And, yes. and I'm just going to say everything you're saying is 
we have a lot of heritage in Chicago that we respect. We respect our history. It's a part of who we are, and we're not letting go of it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, like we say, food. Oh, gotta love food. The Chicago. Oh, no, I, 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 I'm not oh, gonna oh. let you go there. Oh, I'm gonna oh. ask. I'm gonna ask that food <laughs> question later. I'm not oh, gonna let okay, you off the hook. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about how how did radio enter your life, Sean? Okay. Well, I did not choose radio. Radio oh. chose me. Um, this was back in uh, let's just say around August of '94. Um, fresh out of high school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I graduated high school with a, you know, computer science. Mm -hmm. I went to um, Kennedy King College, uh, one of the seven city colleges of Chicago. And I met a guy by the name of Virgil Hemphill. And he said six words that changed my life. You have an excellent speaking voice. Once he Ooh. said that... And I looked at him like he was crazy because, all right, what, where are we going with this? And he just started asking me questions about radio. Have you ever thought about doing radio? No. Um, is radio something that you would like to do? No, I'm trying to <laughs> do computer science. So he persuaded me. He said, look, I want to get you into the program. So let me put you in some computer classes and let me put you in some broadcasting classes I'm going to get you acclimated within the uh, programming department, the, the broadcast department. If you don't like it, you can drop the classes and go on about, you know, and go on with, with computers. I said, all right, fine. So he 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 hooked me. He, he baited me in. I love that you show up on this program and you, you are intensely not like anyone else. You're like one of these college football players. You got recruited to yeah, our I, team. Yeah, I, I was I was not knowing that what this guy was doing was setting something up that would end up being the love of my life, uh, which is radio. So during my first year at Kennedy King College, he said, I want him doing the news immediately. So that's that's boot camp right there. You had to do the news. News no Center 89 um, news director was Bill Ladin at the time would have to go and get three stories. I have to get news, weather, sports, lottery numbers. I had to get all of that. And no, whoa, whoa, whoa. was that it? Was that intimidating to you? It, it was my, my first time doing it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, you know, buying buying headphones and and plugging it in and, and talking on a microphone and hearing myself and like, oh, what is what is all of this? And it it, it was fun, but I was scared at the same time. And it wasn't until I told my mom because um, WKKC, Kennedy King College, uh, 89.3. It is the number one college radio station in Chicago. Mm. So I tell my mom, hey, I'm going to be doing news segments on WKKC. My mom has a fit. Um, my mom, oh. my mom hears a rate, hears me on the radio. She tells the the um, the everybody on the block, everybody on the block is listening to me now. People at church are listening to me now, doing this little 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 three minute news segment, not doing anything else, but just three minutes on the news. And I'm not really thinking nothing of it. It didn't really hit me until I was working at this department store called Goldblatt in Chicago. So Goldblatt is no longer there anymore. And I was working in a housewares department and a buddy of mine was working in uh, the electronics department where the uh, radios and the TVs were. So I get to work and he says, hey, 
wasn't you on the radio the other day? And I said, yeah, I was doing news. He said, I thought that was you. And he said, I heard you because we we're planted in the store. I said, well, how did I sound? He said, man, you sounded great. I dropped my computer classes, went all in with radio. <laughs> oh, and, and look, you, you mentioned your mom. Your mom was so proud. What did your parents do for work? Sean. Well, my, my mom, she did odd jobs and, and, and my dad, he worked in law enforcement. So that that, that was pretty much the balance of, 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 you know, what my parents were doing. Um, I, I grew up um, on the south side of Chicago, uh, actually with my mom and my grandparents. So, you know, outside of um, my mom, my grandparents, uh, my, my grandfather worked at the DuSable Museum of African-American History at the time. My grandmother was was, you know, uh, she worked at a bank part time. And that was pretty much the upbringing that I had coming up, uh, you know, during that time. Sean, you've got yourself some people. Your yeah. grandfather's <laughs> working at that museum. You know, your dad is a cop. Ooh, yeah. that talk about intimidating, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so did they think it was good that you were falling into the radio business? Did they have an opinion about it? They didn't necessarily have an opinion about it. I think it was the fact that I was on the radio that I was learning because at, at the time I, I was working at a, at a bank at the time. Uh, I was working at, at a clothing store. I had other little odd jobs. So I was still yeah. a student in, in college learning the, the craft. It wasn't until I got my, my first break um, at, at iHeart. That's, yeah, we just, that's we, when the ball started to roll. That's right. We're going to talk about iHeart a little bit. Uh, how did you find iHeart to be back then? Uh, always have to say back then because it don't take but a couple of years for it to be back then. Were you? It looks like you were with them for four years in Chicago. Yeah. The, the funny thing about it, once I graduated from from Kennedy King, they all told me that I should start doing. I should start my radio career in smaller markets. Um, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity at iHeart. It was um, it was from Clear Channel, AMFM, Gannett, Evergreen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just to let you know, it uh, I've been around the block a few times. Um, but without leave, without wait, without leaving the block, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So right. when you think of iHeart, um, you know, WGCI in Chicago during that time. You, you have to think that is like the, the the fraternity of all fraternities when it comes to radio stations. It's, it's world renowned. You have icons like Doug Banks and, and Tom Joyner and, oh, and yeah. Rick Hardy. You know, these individuals and, and these are all basically homegrown people that, that we have all come to know and love. And to, to be associated with these individuals and, and, and the other jocks that were there, it, it was either whether it was full time or part time. Everybody was like superstars there from from Mike Love and the Diz and and Ramonsky Love, First Lady. Um, it, it's just a, a whole lot of, of rich talent that was there, like Gene Sparrow, Irene Mojica, uh, 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 just a whole lot. And, and uh, these are still some of my colleagues and friends today. If, if I miss any names, started to, to my mind, not my heart. But it, it's, it was just a big deal to be a part of that company and with a bunch of talented individuals. Well, and listen, Sean, it, you know, part-time, full-time, whatever, you, you can never take that away from somebody. You're doing radio in Chicago with yeah. those superstars. That's exactly. a big deal. Yeah, it, it so, was. So did you know 
at that time that you wanted to be on air? What was the goal for you? Was it mornings, promotions, programming, sales, something else? Well, what was in your, I, what was in your mind? When I started out, I was part-time on air and also I was working in promotion. So that was me learning the ins and outs of, of the radio business by being on the air on the weekends and then going out on various appearances with the other jocks you know, just learning other aspects of the business. And I'm glad that I had an opportunity to work in the promotions department because I learned so much from, you know, my, my of supervisors and, and just the, the talent on how to interact with, with the clients and, and interact with the listeners. And, and because it was all just grooming me for when it would be my turn to elevate to that position. Now, I wanted to be on air. That that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on air full time, and whatever happens after that, I, I was just open to it. <laughs> okay, so you had a bead on. I'm gonna be an on air personality, like right. these superstars I see walking through the hall. I want to be one exactly. of them. Exactly. So one day it was gonna be my turn. <laughs> so speaking of that, one day you went to work for Radio One in Indianapolis. You did afternoons and weekends. Was it an adjustment broadcasting to Indianapolis? This ain't Chicago. No, um, because one thing about Indianapolis, it, which was a fantastic market, um, there were a lot of people from Chicago that lived in Indianapolis. And because the distance wasn't far, it was easy to navigate back and forth from home. And I had a real good team of, of programmers like my operations manager, Brian Wallace, and my PD, uh, First Lady. They, she was from Chicago. So therefore, I, I had the, the buffering from someone from Chicago to kind of help guide me along through my tenure in Indianapolis. She knew you, you knew her, you exactly. had a feel for each other. Let's go back to Chicago. Who has the best Chicago pizza. Now, now look, I know you from Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. People listen to this podcast might not be from Chicago, but dish anyway. Who's got okay. the best Chicago pizza? All right. So when it comes to thin crust, because that's what really Chicago is about, thin crust. Um, I, I'm used to Italian Fiesta. There's an, another spot called Margarita's Pizza. There's Home Run In. There's um, uh, Reggio's, those, those are some of the staples for thin crust. But when you want to show off and you got friends from out of town and, and they have to have an experience of a deep dish pizza, hands down, I would say Giordano's. Giordano's, hands down. Every time I, I go home to Chicago to visit, I am bringing back Giordano's pizza with me. <laughs> mm. I went to Chicago recently. And and me and a friend of mine, we sat at the bar and at that restaurant, okay, and we ordered deep dish pizza. And she said to us, she gave us a whole spiel about, hey, look, don't be asking for this pizza. To, when is it coming out? Don't ask me that question. If you want to ask me that question, don't order this pizza because it's going to take a while. It's not like other pizza. And so every time somebody would sit down and ask about the pizza, she would say that and we would laugh. But I'm going to tell you, that pizza was really good. So, look, you came back to Chicago with Crawford Broadcasting. I feel like a lot happened here, not just radio. You got on some lists, Sean. You, you got certified. 
this was 10 years of your life. Can you talk to us about the experiences of this return to Chicago, please? Profit broadcasting, uh, that is that that's the place that really made Sean Knight who he was. Um, got much love and respect to my Crawford Broadcaster family, Taft Harris, Jay Allen, um, Pat Bam, Jana, um, all, all of those are my, my wonderful, my wonderful Crawford family. They have really shaped me to the jock that I am today. Having the opportunity to be with them for 10 years, that was longevity. Um, that, that was more fun than anything um, because I was fresh. I was coming fresh out, out of um, uh, WGC at the time. So when, mm -hmm. when Power 92 started, I was one of the original jocks that started on that station. I was doing overnights. Nice. So outside of being on Power 92, I also had the opportunity to be on the uh, sister station, WSRB, so 106.3. That's where I got my opportunity to do morning drive over there. And nice. I, I transitioned from urban to urban AC. And that right there was pretty much the, the next phase because I was getting older and, and I knew that the, the times were starting to change. So when I got the opportunity to go over there, that was pretty much a, a, a surreal experience because I was still like in my early 30s when I got that opportunity. And when I ha had a, a, a brief exit, I had an opportunity to come back on Power 92 to do middays. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show that regardless of, of you know, just taking that time out, the programming department still believed in my talent that I could come back and continue to work and be an intricate part of the program and, and to the company. So I am forever grateful to the Crawford Broadcasting family for doing that. I love that you have that vibe about you of gratefulness and 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 you shine that light on other people. I think that's a really big deal. Now I get to talk to you about a little different reality at least certainly for somebody like me, look, you know that we're encouragers on this program. If you listen to our podcast at all, you know this about us, but you have enjoyed a career as a broadcaster and seen the acknowledgement of change of awareness in the country relating to police and let's call it uh, driving while black, stopped while black, whatever you want to call it, uh, that has largely disgusted the country uh, I feel this is something that people know that, that we've kind of known for a long time, but it hasn't come right to the foreground. And of course, um, you know, it wasn't right in your face unless you were experiencing it until George Floyd. Can you talk to us about the experience of being on the air, working with companies on if you can or should talk about this subject or how it was handled on your morning show? And, and on your radio stations. Yeah, during George Floyd, um, I was in uh, Tyler, Texas at the time at Town Square Media. And that that was at a time when it was really heightened on um, certain uh, Black motorists that were being killed by the police. You, you had Sandra Bland, you had uh, Lando Castile, you had George Floyd, just to name a few. And when you think about how to 
relay that message and get the message across, you don't want to step on any toes. You, you, you have to be very strategic in your approach. And one thing about you know being on an urban adult station, the community wants to hear that. We are looked at as the community station. They are calling. They want to express their concern. They want to express their fear and and their distrust in the police, if you will. Um, I I actually wrote a piece um, called Am I Next? Why I Have Trust Issues with the Police. Mm -hmm. And it it came to a point I I explained to my my operations manager at the time. He he um, I had to explain to him. I said, hey, have you ever been stopped by the police? And he said, yes, I said, you know, just outside of being inconvenienced, he wrote you a ticket or gave you a pass and and told you, um, you know, sent you on your way. Right. Say, yeah. I said, imagine being pulled over and you have two, three, four squad cars pull up behind you. He, he stopped and thought about it for a minute. I said, think about how nervous that would make an individual feel if yeah. you're driving along and you see that. And you're wondering what has happened or what could possibly go wrong. That's happened to me. That's happened to me on more than one occasion in Chicago. It happened to me in Georgia. It happened to me in Indianapolis. Um, I'll tell you about an incident in in Tyler that that pretty much had me to a point where I I thought that I was going to that it was going to be a situation. I didn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign. I was guilty cop stopped and pulled me over where he pulled me over it was dark i turned on my my uh interior lights and had my hands on the steering wheel he mm-hmm. rolled down i rolled down my window very polite and gave instruction on i'm going to reach in my pocket give my id and you know proceed to give you my identification kept my hands on the steering wheel at all times he came back and he said i really appreciate how you're being cooperative. I said, it's not a problem. He knew I was tense. And he said, is everything okay? I said, I just want to go home. I just want to make it home. And he said, you will make it home. We're almost done. He ended up giving me a warning, but just the fact that he said, you're going to get a chance to go home or you are going home. I got emotional and started crying in the car because that was just a relief that I get to go home. But I think about all the other individuals who didn't get an opportunity to go home. You know, this is such a subject that and and look, we live in pods in this country. I don't care what anybody says. And it's easy for you to be in your pod and not, not it's not that people don't care about pod X, Y or Z over there. Right. It's that they're not thinking about this. Like like I don't think about four or five cops are going to pull me over. I don't know what I would be like if I saw that either. That yeah. would be a little freakish. Right. Yeah, yeah. But one thing, though, but one you, thing that I, I do want to add, I, I am very appreciative because my market manager at the time, we ended up doing a town hall with some religious officials. We had the chief of police there, and we actually had a roundtable discussion about police interaction. And it turned out to be a very groundbreaking ordeal because it, it brought us together and and there was questions that you know the community wanted answers to and just wanted to make sure that whatever happened to George Floyd was not going to happen in our community and I was very grateful for that opportunity 
you know, we have a lot of conversations in radio about don't get political, don't do this political, don't do that. I always think of this subject. This ain't political. This is people's lives. Yeah. When it's somebody's lives. I mean, one of the things that I would love to see happen in the country more is I love people to talk more and not just stop talking when they see somebody who has an opposing view of any kind. That's that's crazy to me. I don't understand that. I'm grateful that you will come on this program and have that discussion because I think people need to hear what, what do you think it would be like if four cops pulled you over? Well, yeah, that ain't going to be a lot of fun. That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of worry about what's going to happen. I don't care what color you are or whatever. Four or five cops pull you over. Uh, that's significant, right? Yeah, very significant. And All right. Absolutely- and, and real quick, because when I wrote yeah. that article, when I wrote that article about my trust issues with, with the police, it made it all the way up to the corporate office right. where they actually recognized not only my article, but other um, of our jocks in Town Square at the time that had similar experiences. So I appreciate Town Square for getting the ball rolling so we could be spread more awareness about situations like that to have a more open opinion about those type of situations where we can speak on that. Yes. Very important to have this kind of dialogue. So listen, when you were back in Chicago for 10 years, there is a crazy thing sitting right in the middle of your resume. I got to ask about it. You were the guest entertainment reporter for Fox 32's good day, Chicago morning show. How was TV? different than radio for you and did that heighten your fame in chicago when you're on tv good day chicago on fox 32 was one of the proudest moments of my career because i used to watch good day chicago before i was even a part of it and one thing that i love was how tv was able to bridge the gap for radio so they're my, my radio family. They listen and were able to tune in because they know me. But being on television would introduce me to new listeners and potential listeners that see me. My content might be engaging. You know what? Let me turn on Power 92 and listen to Sean and see what he has to offer. And next thing you know, you have a new listener all because of being on Good Day Chicago. So, yes. Did it heighten the fame a little bit? Of course, because... You know, TV is, a, is another monster and, and it, it invites you to a much broader audience to invite people to listen to your radio show and to your station. And I imagine especially television in Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Love my Good Day Chicago family. Anita Padilla, also Don and Corey. Um, those, those are they, some of them have gone on to uh, to other markets, but those were a real lively bunch. Those are my family. I, I love them. <laughs> if this is your first time hearing Sean Knight or your first time listening to this podcast, I want you to notice that that Sean Knight is kind of like one of those NASCAR drivers. You hear him, but instead of giving out sponsors, he's talking about all the people that have meant something to him in his career. That is the way to do that. Listen, did the TV gig come from your personal networking? And what do you recommend people do when they say, how do you effectively network in the radio business today? So there's me, two questions. Me, me getting on Good Day Chicago, I have to give I have to give props to my friend Kino. My friend Kino, he's uh he he's another jock at uh at Crawford Broadcasting, and 
And he was the one that actually got me, uh, that made the connection for me to be on there. And once I met them, it was pretty much, yeah, it, it was a, it was a wrap. And, you know, uh, one of my other partners, he, he, um, he was there as well. And, and just the fact of just knowing the right people and making the right connections, it can change your life. <laughs> it can really change your life. And look, you seem to be a connector with other people. How do you recommend somebody ask you about networking in the radio business today? A, how important is it? And B, how do you do it? Oh, it's very important to network. I was networking with a lot of people, even when I was in college. So the relationships that I have now, these are some of these individuals has been with me from the very beginning. And now back then, you know, you you had to write letters, <laughs> to write formal letters. Yeah, I'm right. I'm telling my age now. Now we're we're in the age of it's so much easier now because you have LinkedIn, you have Facebook, you got Twitter, you got Instagram, you have so many avenues where you could get an instant connect, whether than to try to make a phone call and connect with somebody, you have to leave a voicemail message and hope that they call back or send a letter and hope that they respond back. So it is very intricate that, you know, if you want to network with individuals, you have every avenue to make that connection and make that connection quick. So I would definitely take advantage of all type of social media avenues to make that connection with somebody. All right. And you and I have made a connection that way, too. So I'm the fortunate one in this arrangement, of course. Listen, did you start then to look at programming more seriously? Because, look. What was behind the move to WKZJ and Davis Broadcasting in Columbus, Georgia? Yes. Well, after my tenure at Power 92 had um, had come to an end, I was pretty much at a crossroads in my career. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. So I started applying for jobs all over. And next thing you know, I, I saw an ad for a midday personality at K92.7 WKZJ at Davis Broadcasting in Columbus, Georgia. That was the first restart or reboot of my career because even though I lived in Indianapolis for, for a little under a year, I spent five years in Columbus, Georgia uh, with Davis Broadcasting. Uh, my operations manager, the late Carl Connor, um, it, it was him and, and uh, my program director at the time, Michael Soule. Michael Soule, he's a, he likes to play jokes. I was in he uh, play what he, he's a jokester. He, he's a jokester. Oh. He, he called me while I was in uh, while I was in the grocery store. He acted as if he was a bill collector. And and I almost <laughs> told him about himself in, in, in the grocery store before he said, no, no, no. This is Michael Soul with, with uh, Davis Broadcasting. And I was like, man, don't do that. <laughs> so right? we ended up talking right. about um, talking about the demo that I sent. And they were very interested and. And, you know, um, I ended up making the transition down there and and I had the opportunity to meet Carl Connor and Carl Connor. He got me ready for programming. He was the one that introduced me and, and took the time to introduce me to the programming side of radio. I I knew that I wanted to do it, but I wasn't sure if I could do it. And he took the time to teach me and give me homework assignments and quiz me on what I've learned so far. And right before he died, he told me that I would make a great program director one day. 
And eventually that led to me going to Tyler, Texas to get my first programming gig as assistant brand manager at, um, at 107.3 KISS FM. You, look, you've fallen right into it here because my next question for you is, have you had a mentor or mentors in this business? If you have had mentors, which it sounds like you have already, can you give us an example of somebody who has had really great impact on you personally or professionally, and maybe just one example of how they've helped you? I will say um, Brian Wallace at uh, Radio 1 Indianapolis at the time, he told me that I had the it factor. That's, oh, yeah. that's when I knew that I would be able to make it outside of Chicago. That, that was the confidence booster that I had, that I would be able to make it anywhere outside of Chicago. My second um, mentor- now, wait, before, wait, before you get okay. to the second one, I just want to say that everybody and their cousin has nervousness about making it in Chicago. But you- are coming from Chicago, nervous about, can I make it somewhere else? Well, the, the beauty of it is with, with my career, um, I, I could have had the opportunity to stay in Chicago because Chicago is my comfort zone. That That's my hometown. So it's not about, you know, not making it there because I, I'm known there. Yeah. But to go to other markets where people don't know anything about me and be able to make a difference in each and every market that I've been in, that's another story about, you know, the longevity of my career. That's right. So when, when it comes to, you know, Indianapolis, you know, Brian Wallace said that I had the it factor. And then I think about one of my college professors, Daryl Denard, he was the one that, that got me involved in television mm. uh, with uh, in- Information Central. That was our, our television program that we had while I was in college. Then there's Earl Boston. Earl Boston is is one of my great Earl. He's he's a great friend and he's an, he's a wonderful mentor. Um, he allowed to uh, he allowed to 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 teach me the arts of of selector. Uh, he he he. Oh, nice. He, he showed me bits and pieces of 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 just learning things. He took me under his wing. He didn't have to. And right. he's a very dear friend of mine. Then um, we have Mr. Harry Lyles. <laughs> oh, Harry yeah. Lyles. There's a dude right yeah. there. I love that's, that dude. Yeah, that's that's Uncle Harry to me. <laughs> yeah. He, he I met him right when I was in Chicago. And I'm like, he's pretty much been by my side throughout my entire career. Like he has been like a voice of reason and, and um. And another um, uh, honorable mention, um, uh, Sam Weaver. Sam Weaver gets an honorable mention as yeah. well. So those are some of the wonderful individuals in radio who have pretty much shaped my career and pretty much made me the person who I am today. <laughs> man, oh, man, you got some people there. And, you know, Harry, so smart. I, he yeah. just is he's a wisdom guy. I call some people wisdom trees. Okay, because they grow tall and you can depend on them. Well, listen, so listen, you were the assistant brand manager for Town Square in Tyler, Texas. Uh, does the guy from Chicago take to Texas? Are you a I love Texas guy or, yeah, you know? Texas was great to me. I, I love Tyler, Texas. When I first got to Tyler, I made an instant impact. 
Um, I have met so many wonderful people in, in Tyler, Texas. Um, had a chance to meet the mayor and, and had a chance to, to meet a lot of city officials and, and just meet, um, you know, just community leaders and people from the park district. I have so many relationships and friends in Tyler, Texas. Um, there's times that, um, you know, I still think about Tyler, Texas every now and again, um, you know, just to stay in touch with friends because they, they're lifelong friends. That was the second longest tenure of my career outside of Georgia. I spent four years um, in Texas. <laughs> mm. So I, I have a lot of, of you know, it's, it's a lot of, lot of uh, good times there. I have a lot of fun memories there. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because this next part is um, I have a mentor and he is a behavioral mathematician. Okay. And he says that at the center of everything, there is a kernel, which is like an atom, I guess. It's the very essence of what someone is or what a thing is. If you're working on a problem, here's the kernel of the problem that you got to fix, okay? You seem like someone to me who believes in consistent improvement. Like that's a part of who you are. How do you do that in the radio business today? Because everybody's got all these jobs. There's all this crap that goes on. How do you stay true to the idea of consistent improvement today in radio? You have to be willing to adapt to change. Yes. Uh, change is very consistent when it comes to radio. Think of it. When I started in radio, I had cart machines and reel to reel. Everything is digital now. Mm -hmm. And it's not even the fact of just being on the air anymore. You have to write content for station websites. I got majority of my teachings of content writing at Town Square Media. <laughs> Right. Social, social media, be, being more of, of, a, of a social media guy and, and learning about posting on, on the station's Facebook page and, and social media accounts. I learned all of that from Town Square Media. So now whenever I decide to do anything else of radio content, I know exactly how to get it done and to do it effectively. All thanks to expanding, you know, your territory and just learning things you have to be willing to learn because now so, so look somebody like a town square comes at you and says hey you've got to do these posts and this is what's happening sean just looks at that as an opportunity to learn some new skills yes they had to learn some new skills did i like writing posts all the time no sometimes yeah <laughs> you know that that now, so you're saying it was work. It, it was it was work, but but I'm very appreciative of it now because I I now see the, the how important it is when it comes to social media. I I definitely understand it now because I write posts, web posts now while I'm at, at my position now at Cumulus Media. So I yeah. I I'm very grateful that I know how to compose a web post and I know how to embed things and I know how to put it on social media. I owe that to Town Square Media. I appreciate them for that because it just made me more valuable to, to my radio career because now I know how to do that. Well, so and that's exactly what I was going to say, is that all of these experiences we've been talking about, when we talk about Sean Knight, we, they have made you more valuliable to employers, not just today, but in the future, okay? 
and it's not even about you know being valuable to to you know new employers but i'm learning new skills i'm allowing myself to learn something new that's going to better my career and the longevity of my career that's right all right so let's take a turn to education for just a minute how did you get involved with morehouse college what was the goal there oh, <laughs> that that was that was um, a real, I was going through a season. Uh, I was going through a Valley moment. Okay. Uh, before I got um, enrolled into Morehouse College, um, I was, um, I, I had uh, exited Town Square Media and uh, I lost my grandmother around that time. Mm. And I ended up moving back to Chicago. Okay. And I was pretty much wondering what was next with it, with my life and my career. I was thinking that, you know what, um, if this is, if, if Town Square Media was, was the last ride for me, then I was forever grateful to my career. I looked back and I said, hey, I'm good. I, I've accomplished a lot, surprised myself in a few things. Let me figure out what to do next. And I came across an article uh, on the route that said that Morehouse College was looking for African-American men who had college credits or an associate's degree, but never got their bachelor's. And they wanted them to enroll in their business administration program. Nice. I, I, I said to myself, if, if this is it, let me learn something new. So right. therefore I could either, you know, add more to my radio career. Or I could just go somewhere totally different. And, um, applying to Morehouse College, it, it was a task. I had to write um, why I wanted to go there. I had to write a pledge and, you know, I had to get recommendations and, you know, I had to reach out to some of my mentors and say, hey, I need your help on letters of recommendation. Next thing you know, right when I got hired to go to uh, Cumulus in Topeka, about two days later, I received an acceptance letter from Morehouse College. Nice. And I was very timid at first because I haven't been in a college classroom in almost 27 years. Yeah, <laughs> so, been a minute. So, yeah, so for me to go back to school, I was very, you know, worried and excited at the same time because one, Morehouse College is Morehouse College. There's a lot of history behind that. It's a legacy yeah. of Morehouse College. A lot of great men went to Morehouse College and here I am in this program and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to make this transition worthwhile and come to find out I exceeded all expectations because in my first year at Morehouse I ended up getting a 3.3 GPA I made the dean's list and you know I'm 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 respected among my peers and my teachers so I'm getting ready for year number two, which is going to happen in, in August, right around August 15th. I'm getting ready for my second year. And I got about two more years left. Um, the, the expected graduation date is uh, spring of 2024. And, and that would be very special to me if, if I was to graduate around that time, because that would be 30 years since I've graduated high school. Mm. And look, when you got those letters of recommendation, I'm just going to take a moment of just acknowledgement of gratefulness here. Just, just kind of feeling you through this interview process. You were a grateful guy. Did that really overwhelm you when you saw those letters? Because sometimes people can say things and you're like, wow, man. When I, when I asked, 
Daryl Denard, Earl Boston, and, and Harry Lyles to write those letters. Right. These were individuals that I have that I know. I I personally know them. That's they right. they are people who I trust when it comes to my career. And I know that they would be open and honest and not just write anything just for the sake of writing it. So they saw something in me that said, hey, I'm going to write this letter because I believe that you're going to do excellent in this program. And I haven't failed them yet. And I'm not looking forward to failing them because the proof is in the pudding with, you know, me making the dean's list my first year. And it is just making it is I'm understanding that my it's not too late. That's <laughs> it, right. Really not too late. And and I encourage anybody that's thinking about going back to school. It is not too late. Um, I've learned a lot about myself while on this journey. And it's because of the people who I align myself with, the people right. who actually know me and they want to see me win and they want to see me do excellent. Those oh, I think it's easy. People. I think it's easy when you get to know you to want you to win. Yeah. Because I think what you do it has kind of a, um, I don't know, it's uh, it's catchy, right? Yeah. So let, let's talk about currency for a minute, because you're a currency guy. You are currently half of the Night and Norwood Morning Show at Magic 107.7. What is that partnership like for you? That partnership is, is very special. Uh, when I started at Magic... Um, in, in July of, of last year, I was with Angie Stevens. So it was the Magic Morning Show with Angie and Sean. And Angie was the ultimate tag team partner when I got there. I was new to AC Radio. This was something that I have never done before, even though I was familiar with the format because the majority of the music that they play is stuff that I listened to when I was a kid. So yeah. the, the opportunity to learn something new and have Angie helped me navigate through the morning show and, and, and just get a feel for the show and the music and the community. It was great because right before she departed, our morning show finished at number two in the fall book. So we were very happy that sure. within, that, within the, the first six months of my arrival, we made such an impact. And now when you move uh, to uh, February of this year, when Danielle, Danielle is pretty much a who's who in Topeka, Kansas. Danielle oh. knows everybody <laughs> and everybody knows Danielle. So mm. when I met Danielle on, on, a, on a Zoom call, Danielle is like a firecracker. She, she will talk. She will talk you to death. I love it. <laughs> and once we actually talked and we vibed, I said, all right, I know this is going to be something special. And we had an opportunity to get together and, and we were doing a show. The show is working. The show is gelling. And, and I am extremely happy that I have Daniel Norwood as a partner for the Magic Morning Show. It, I, it is definitely nonstop laughing when we're in the studio. It's great content. We do our Facebook live videos. You know, we're out in the community having fun. We're actually nominated for um, who's uh, for best of best of the best for a Topeka Capital Journal. We're, we're in the final three uh, for, for radio shows. So uh, the people have responded and and they nice. have received the morning show. So 
again, having someone like Daniel Norwood as a tag team partner is, is pretty much like it's a blessing. So I am truly grateful to have her. So I got two questions for you that radiate around mornings. The first one is what is mornings in Topeka like? This is what I mean. So is it different than other places? Is it similar to other places? What changes when you move to Topeka? Well, when it comes to Topeka, is I'm not doing urban radio anymore. Um, That's right. I, I'm doing AC radio. So my audience is a tad bit different. So I'm looking at, you know, 45-year-old mom that's, you know, got the kids and trying to find her way around. And, and you know, it, it's up to Danielle and I to make sure that whatever we say, we can snatch her and grab her attention <laughs> before right. things just get out of hand. So one thing I love about Topeka, or I, I call it Top City, you know, that, that's what we call mm. it, Top City. They are loyal and they know you. <laughs> they know you. If I'm out in the streets, they will. And if they see me or recognize me, they have no problem saying, hey, I listen to the show or I see you on TV. Keep up the good work. They are friendly. I love that. I can just be in the grocery store, mind my own business, talking, and somebody will say, hey, I don't really want to draw any attention, but I hear your voice, and I know it's you, but I don't want nobody to know that I know it's you. Just, I listen to the show. I like it. Have a good day. That's so nice. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. So, And, and I, I, I do something called selfie time. So every time somebody would see me or recognize me and they, and they acknowledge me while we're out, I have to take a selfie with them. So, you know, selfie time, send, send them a picture or put it on our social media page. Just my way of saying, I appreciate you for listening to the show. I appreciate you for receiving me to Topeka because I'm still practically the new guy in town, just made one year. And to know that I have made such an impact there, it is really, you know, I, I'm really grateful for the city of Topeka. And so at this point in the broadcast, Sean Knight gives a tip to every broadcast personality in North America. Take a selfie, share it on social media. It's a great rate. I mean, what better acknowledgement? I say this to clients all the time, and especially to morning show talent, people want to be heard. You take a selfie with somebody, you slap it all over social media. You, come on. How does it get any better than that? Right? Yeah. All right. So what is the key to a great morning show today, in your opinion? Here you've done all different kinds of radio, but now you've moved into this AC vein. I can hear you understand who you're talking to. You're talking to a different uh, group of people. But what is the key to a great morning show today, in your opinion? Oh, man, I say, one, you have to know your audience. You have to know your audience and, and be able to keep them engaged. Um, another thing is you have to be authentic with who you are. Yes. You know, if you, if you be 100% true to thy own self, be true, then you can never go wrong because they will listen for you and they can tell if you phony or not. <laughs> they, oh, yes. they, they can really tell. I, I don't play my listeners cheap for anything. And I just think you have to be real transparent with your content. That's it. All right. So, you know, this is going to be the hardest question of the night. What is the future of our business radio, your opinion? 
Well, radio is not going anywhere. Radio is not going anywhere. Terrestrial radio is here to stay. I will say this though, radio is forever changing because when I first started, there was no Spotify. There was not no real mm. serious XM. It, it was, they were just coming along, but it, it's not the way that it is now. Now we have podcasting and, and I love podcasting, but at the same time, what can we do to bring it back to regular terrestrial radio? I think that terrestrial radio is, is going to continue to be here, but if you don't learn how to adapt and make things a little bit better and change for the times, then that's where radio can sort of get lost in the shuffle. It's forever changing. And that that's the main thing that, that I would say, just continue to adapt to the forever changing times of radio. That's absolutely right. Sean, I, what can I say? Thank you for being our very giving guest today. You've been great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, listen, give yourself a break and get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside the free blog at rainmakerpathway.com anytime. If you know a great seller, you know somebody who's struggling with sales, you just pop them over there. Let them know about our free blog and the fact that there's so much information on there that can help them in their career at rainmakerpathway.com. We are here to encourage radio pros at all levels. That's what we do. Please have your friends subscribe anytime to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. You can listen to our episodes in our large and growing archive and our new episodes every single week. And I promise you this, you are going to be encouraged. You will learn unexpected and valuable things from every one of our guests because the true value of what we're doing comes out in each and every episode. It is our guest like personalities make the radio. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me directly, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. I don't bite. Uh, give me a, a quick email. Let me know what you're thinking. We do hope that you have a great week, like we say all the time at Rainmaker Pathway and on the radio rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. You want to know more about what I mean by that? Call me up. I'd love to take the call. We want to thank our special guest in this live event and podcast, Sean Knight, Half of Night and Norwood's Morning Show on Magic 107.7 at Topeka for being, of course, our patient and giving guest. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in minutes anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, and of course, thank you to Just Joe Production. Productions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast, The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. This is the way you do it. If you don't remember anything else from this event, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with The Encouragers. And of course, Good night.